Have you always dreamed of creating your own beauty products or building your own beauty brand? Welcome to Beauty Business School, the podcast devoted to empowering beauty entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Doreen Block. Join me as we talk with industry insiders, beauty founders, and more to provide you with knowledge and resources for launching your own beauty brand. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Jeannie. Welcome to the Beauty Business School podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Doreen. Happy to happy to talk to you and this community this morning. Thank you. So let's dive right in. How did you get started in the beauty industry? It's so funny because I n- never really considered myself as a part of the beauty industry. I sort of Uh, My background is in hotel, luxury hotel and spa management. I was a spa director for um, my career. I studied hospitality management and I grew up in Hawaii in a very beautiful uh, environment, really um, outside and close to nature a lot. And amongst uh, a lot of tourism and a lot of, you know, Hawaii was really just you know, a vacation spot and a place where people came to make memories. And that, I think, inspired me to go into the hospitality industry. And the spa spa uh, department was a place where you could really create these memorable experiences in a way that was healthy and good for people and, and made them feel good. And I loved my career there. And I got inspired to... Well, I guess I got I learned early on that ingredients in the products that we were using in our spas might be really early on in my career might mm-hmm. not be totally good for you. Mm-hmm. And that was like a really really long time ago, you know, 1999 or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there there wasn't a lot of information. And just that awareness is what sparked a kind of career long inquiry into ingredients in products and i was i was responsible as a spa director i was responsible not only you know for what i was putting on our clients in the spa but also what my staff was working with every day oh. and i yeah and i felt i felt like i needed to take that responsibility seriously um and i was just not, it was more just a very natural concern and interest and it was genuine and for through my entire career I was learning about ingredients and that uh, led me down this road to uh, find brands that were a lot closer to their ingredients their processes and to their products and that um I started to work with some in my in my spas. You know, there was back in the day there were just these really big brands. They had really big. Um, they were they were in the beauty industry, but for me, I was I was in the hospitality industry. So I went to like spa conferences and you know spa events. I wasn't really going to beauty events, so mm-hmm. I just kind of got this sideways entry into what. I'm now in, which is firmly the beauty industry, mm-hmm. but I came from this, you know, sort of side entrance, and um, and so I wanted to find, uh, I, you know, I guess my journey took me to starting to work with some indie beauty brands, 
and it sparked the idea for what is now Beauty Heroes, and that's kind of how I got here. Um, it's a really unconventional path, I would say. Yes, um, and how? Tell us uh, more about the chronology around how long that process took. You started going to spa conferences, seeing different products, indie brands, and then when did Beauty Heroes get created? Yeah, so. There were, it was, it wasn't um, basically a lot of the experiences that I had as a spa director um, sparked an idea. And um, the first was the sort of rising awareness of the ingredients that were in the product and my frustration with actually being able to get direct and clear answers from brands. So I would ask, I would ask a question and I would get, you know, um, you know, you would ask the sales rep basically, or the trainer, the corporate trainer for a bigger brand, um, a direct question. They uh, usually didn't have the answer. They would try to get the answer back. The answer wasn't very clear. It wasn't very direct. Or sometimes you would get an answer and then you would discover this happened to me many times where I would discover later on that that wasn't actually the, you know, a, a factual answer. Wow. So I had gotten duped quite a bit. Um, and I think that's happening, you know, that's still happening to in, in different ways um, where people say, oh, yeah, you know, we source that sustainably or, you know, oh, yeah, you know, that fragrance is totally, you know, uh you know, natural or, you know, it's all this or that. And when you really dig deeper and you say, well, you know, I just need to see, you know, a C of A or, you know, it's, you can't really get um, the level of transparency um, in some cases that still happens. You know, it's a lot more there, you know, there is a lot more transparency, but there's a lot more indie beauty brands. The rise of indie beauty has really disrupted. Mm -hmm. um, I would say the um, traditional, uh, large spa and uh, beauty brands. But so that was one sort of, that was one inspiration for what, for the genesis of the idea of Beauty Heroes. The second inspiration was um, working with an indie beauty brand <clears throat> where I actually did get the answers. And when I did a training for my team, you know, and you know, wanted to do an event, the founder would actually show up to train the team, to inspire the team, to to um, tell them every little detail about why they created this product and where they sourced this ingredient and, the, you know, why they started their brand and, you know, how these ingredients uh, work together for a result or why she paired these products together and created this ritual or whatnot. We were working with uh, products to create spa experiences and that that sort of closeness to an indie beauty founder really changed the way that we sold the product mm -hmm. um, and could convey really connect our customers to a service or a product in my spa and that was very inspiring to me it was sort of like an aha moment where I was like you know, now when a customer comes in, we can really tell them all those details and all that color. And we really experience the product in a different way. Mm -hmm. That was the second sort of like piece that dropped in. 
And then the third was, you know, I worked in luxury spas where customers weren't really price sensitive and they had access to as many products as they wanted to buy. Um, you know, it was just money wasn't a factor in terms of, you know, what their skincare regimen would be. Mm-hmm. And these cu- clients I would see were in complete overwhelm. They were in complete product overwhelm. And I remember customers would come in and they would say, okay, you know, I'm, I want to get a facial today, but please, please don't sell me anything. I have so much product at home and I just want, you know, to get a, a good treatment. And we'd say, yeah, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would educate them on their skin and the products and you know, the, what we started to do was really say, you know, why don't we just talk about, you know, they'd say, I want to actually buy your products because I feel like I understand them so much more because we had been really getting, uh, we were very close to our products and our founders and the ingredients and how they could benefit the skin. And so they'd want to take something home and we'd say, okay, well, let's let's just figure out a hero product that will really make a difference in your skin just by one thing today instead of going home with the like seven mm-hmm. things right. and let's get you on a regimen that where you're incorporating this one product and then you know let's come back and then let's you know use what you're using see how it works and and come back and and that whole you know just slowing it all down mm-hmm. I, that was a big um that was something that I started to witness also in my life and my friend, my girlfriend's, you know, bathroom cabinets. I just saw this insane amount of product overwhelm. And I was also at the time sort of having this awakening about our environment and how the impact that all of this product has on our environment. Mm-hmm. And kind of all of that together sparked this idea to help people discover um, the very best in truly healthy beauty. It was, a, you know, back when I had this idea originally, nobody was talking about ingredients or having an ingredient standard. It was, you know, just, it. there wasn't any, you know, this was a long time ago. And so I wanted to be able to confidently say, hey, I'm going to send you something that is going to really meet a standard. I'm really going to do my homework Mm -hmm. and I want to deliver something really beautiful. That's going to be a hero product. That's going to make it give you some sort of transformation Mm -hmm. in your life. And it's going to be a really beautiful experience because I really was still kind of, you know, I came from the hospitality industry. So I really looked at creating a service and that, that was the idea for, for what Beauty Heroes is, which is a discovery platform where we help people discover the best in healthy beauty, one hero product at a time. And our monthly discovery um, service that we ship all around the world is the original idea. That is our main core product. Mm-hmm. And we work, um, and we, you know, the other thing was I hated samples. I was just I was like, you know, a lot of times we think about subscription services as samples. So Beauty Heroes is not that. Yeah, I think, you know, I was, you know, I was in my late 30s when I, I guess I was in my mid 30s. And um, I think as a spa director, you're used to getting full size product. 
Like mm-hmm. if a brand dropped off a bag of samples for me, it was really hard for me to take them seriously, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, it was just like the whole experience, you know, you had to sort of feel a product on your shelf. You had to feel it in your daily routine. You can't get that from a sachet or from um, a little travel size um, product. It's hard to. You can tr- you can test products. I think there's a place for sampling. It's just not the way that I wanted to discover products myself. And as, you know, sort of grown up um, <laughs> is how mm-hmm. I felt about it. It was like I wanted a better experience. And so Beauty Heroes delivers full-size products. We focus on traditionally one hero product. And then usually there's either a second full-size product or a really deluxe um, travel size or sometimes there's multiple full-size products. It really depends Hmm. on um, what story um, we're trying to tell about a brand and their hero product. So a hero product might have some supporting products. Um, Our curation rotates between skin, body, sun, and hair care. And so for hair care, you may be, you know, delivering three products that work together. Um, For skin, you may be doing a full-size product or two full-size products that complement each other and yeah, it's not a sample. It's not, it's only one brand and it's full size products and it's really focused and intentional on connecting people to these brands the way that I mm-hmm. first discovered um, these brands. And we really try to tell that story and that essence and bring them closer to the brand uh, so that they can have a more meaningful relationship. Uh, if they like that product. So, you know, if you love that Our Hero product from a brand, the idea is that it leads you to want to discover more from that brand. And then we, you know, we help you through that journey with other discoveries that we do and our online store and upcoming now our brick and mortar store. Brick and mortar store. And so I've in the past about this idea of inspired curation so that tell us more about that and and why you choose those words for it. I think that's just so well said. And then how does it play into the store that's launching soon? Yeah, well, you know, we only curate twelve hero products a year. So if you're there's a lot of pressure. When I started Beauty Heroes, one of the you know I didn't realize how much pressure there was going to be on curation. Uh, because a couple of things, when Beauty Heroes came into the space, there was nobody doing full-size product and one brand. It didn't exist. It actually wasn't, uh, it took a really long time to message and to open uh, consumers' eyes to the value in slowing down and discovering one brand and full-size product. There was a lot of fear, like, what if I don't like the product? What if um, it's not right for me? Uh, You know, just one brand, how fun is that going to be? There were a lot of this, you know, a a lot of hurdles that we needed um, to overcome. And so there was a, you know, as a result of that, there was a lot of pressure on me as a curator to make sure we are curating the very best. And something that's really a hero product. And that was the original idea. I just, I thought it was going to be, 
you know, for me, that's the funny thing about being an entrepreneur. You think you have a great idea and you think everybody else is going to think it's a great idea too. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> um, yeah, saying it takes a lot of time. It's true. Yeah. You think you're like, this makes so much sense. And then you go to market with it and people are like, but, but, and you're like, wait, don't you get it? <laughs> and so what, what is the, what are some of the tough things that just helped you push through? Is it the tenacity or anything else? Because I, I know listeners who are entrepreneurs who feel that pain of, you know, being that founder who just feels like they have to fight. How did you get through it? Yeah, it's a great question because for the first year, I was really um, not sure we were going to make it uh, because the adoption was so much slower than I expected it to be. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, I was working with a colleague. Um, there are a lot of these moments where, you know, you somebody tells you something as an entrepreneur, you know, people, especially when you're starting out, everybody wants to help you. You know, you have a lot of people around you cheering you on, friends, colleagues, peers, um, you know, random people who are just out, you know, that are in business that want to see you succeed. I mean, you, you'll take advice from anybody um, when you're really trying to learn a lot and, um, and you know, create something different and special. I was working with somebody really close to me um, who was helping me with marketing, and I was, I was, you know, like I said, beauty heroes. We had a lot of hurdles to overcome in messaging, the value in our service. And she said one day, you know, Jeannie, maybe you should just pivot and actually curate a really clean sample discovery sample box. Hmm. And you know. I I looked at her like, you know, she had two heads and I said, you know, I was like, I, you know, don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that. But she, I really respected uh, this person and she was very, very smart and very well-intentioned. Mm -hmm. And I remember I took a weekend um, to sit with that idea and consider it deeply, um, like maybe I should pivot. And I woke up like on Monday morning and knew that I would rather not be uh, doing Beauty Heroes, you know, mm -hmm. pursuing Beauty Heroes if I was going to pivot in that way. It was yeah. very instinctual. I just knew that yeah. that would not be authentic to me. Mm -hmm. It would not be what I set out to create. That was already being done. And I didn't want to just compete with other services. I wanted to create something that truly uh, was unique, different, and was aligned with my values and exactly. my the way that I, I want to discover beauty. And if I was going to do that, it was going to feel so inauthentic. That's not why I started a company was to go and just do something to make money. And, you know, it was to really create something that I believed in. Right. Oh, I love that story because it just to entrepreneurs needing to stick to their own North Star. And I love that you also just shared that you sort of took the time to marinate with that idea before really then having a point of view on 
what direction you were going to take. And so then I imagine everything sort of came together after that, right? Well, yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, this happens all the time. This keeps happening. You know, the thing that's so we are just at five years of being in business. And what's so funny is those really difficult conversations where somebody drops like this bomb on you where you're like, oh, my God, I have to do that or I have to, um, um, uh, you know, you're telling me to do something that I don't want to do or that you're telling me something that I maybe don't want to hear. Um, and then you need to kind of go away by yourself, think about it, sit with it, um, let it sort of, you know, flow through you and then come back. That's actually become a normal process. That Mm -hmm. is something that is happening regularly to me now where, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's so many hard decisions and so many different uh, opportunities to pivot or, you know, shift. Like, you know, the store, we're opening a brick and mortar store next week um, here in Novato. And, you know, there was so much, um, there were so many people around me telling me to do this. <clears throat> that was never the plan for Beauty Heroes to open a brick and mortar store. But you are launching a physical space. Yeah. So I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be online only and, uh, you know, I had a real reaction to um, people telling me, you know, you need to, you you know, you should open um, a brick and mortar store. And, you know, I would say, well, the world doesn't need another beauty store. There's tons of beauty stores. Why would I do that? And, um, And I needed to, like, really open my... Uh, myself to the idea of it. And when I really looked at it, I actually saw that, first of all, you know, there this pocket that we are in in Northern California actually doesn't have um, a really uh, a green beauty store. Uh, so that was one opening. And then I also saw another opening where, you know, Beauty Heroes, I feel, you know, did sort of influence uh, the clean beauty space. And I felt like, you know, we had, when I thought about it, we had an opportunity to do something really special mm-hmm. in in a brick and mortar um, setting. And I thought that would be interesting and it would serve the business and it would serve our community. And um, who knows? And it just, it sort of all fell into place. So some, it's a really good um, example of something that I had that I was really closed off to that somebody you know, presented to me and or several people presented to me and I had to go away and really think about it and, you know, use my instincts uh, to make it a really big decision. It's a big decision. Yes. Well, it's so exciting. Um, I think it's in a lot of ways the dream of a lot of direct-to-consumer online companies to have a physical space. So, um, it's super exciting. And then to your point, it, there is a gap in the market there from a geographic perspective, I think of, and we'll talk more about the San Francisco um, scene later, but um, I know there's Credo Beauty in San Francisco, but I can't really think of anything else. So it is really exciting for folks in the East Bay and uh, North Bay to have 
that access and to have your curation. Yeah. Um, yes, I think <clears throat> I think there's that, and then you know we really want to be um, a a place where the the store is really designed to be sort of this discovery space and uh, a place where we're really playing with this concept of wellness hospitality. Um, so there is a really unique, um, we call it a flight of heroes bar, where you can come and actually have test like a flight of beauty. We're curating flights of beauty where you can uh, test different combinations of products, uh, different types of the same product. For example, if you're looking for an eye product, we'll have a flight of eye products that you can try, say, maybe an eye serum and an eye cream and a lighter eye gel and really see how, you know, understand the ingredients, uh, how they, you know, maybe you'd want one for morning, one for evening, or maybe you just, you know, one for all purpose and uh, have people really be able to come and play and experience. The space is really designed for you to um, feel comfortable. There is a lot of space in the store. There's a whole vanity area where you can actually take product back to a vanity um, and experience it as you would in your own bathroom. Mm -hmm. We have a broadcast lounge for influencers to come or founders to come and actually, you know, uh, play with product, uh, create an experience. It's very welcoming and open. And <clears throat> the curation is really uh, designed to have something at lots of price points and for all different types of ages um, and all different types of consumers. So, you know, that that's uh, it's, it's supposed to be very inclusive space. Yes. Well, that you're hitting on all the things that are really the future of retail from uh, from what we see and what consumers really want. So I want to ask, which brands in your view are doing things really well today? Which ones excite you most? And how does a brand get your attention? Well, you know, we um, we launched about a year and a half ago a platform called Project Blue Beauty. And um, I would say, I can tell you more about that, that that is really our view um, and our philosophy in the next wave of clean beauty is <clears throat> brands who are going beyond yes. being green, yeah. but actually using their business and using their product as a way to regenerate the environment. We've done so much damage to our environment and the personal care and beauty industry is a big contributor to that. There's a lot of consumable products. And so, you know, it started way back when, when I started to kind of have this awakening to uh, the impact that the beauty industry was having, you know, the spa industry at that time, I didn't even think of it as the beauty industry, that all these products that we were having on, were having on the environment. And it's just, I mean, we're all aware of it now. And what Project Blue Beauty is designed to do is to celebrate brands who are really figuring this out and who and to 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 applaud them, to encourage them, 
and to share best practices. I think the beauty space can be very competitive. You don't want people copying your formulas, of course, or your branding or your naming. You know, I'm very much about protecting and having, you know, uh, brands being able to protect all of their proprietary um, pieces of their brand. It's really important. But when it comes to how we can use our companies to uh, imp- you know, make a dent in, the, in, the, in regenerating the environment, that's something that we should all be sharing yes. um, because we're all in this together. So, uh, so that is meant to uh, – so th- that's what the platform was the, – the, the intention for Project Blue Beauty is to do, is to celebrate these brands and to attract – brands to beauty heroes who are innovating in ways they can help us live lighter in the planet on the planet through packaging through um, uh, processes through uh, the way that they are helping to restore the environment in the work that they're doing with their supply chain um, or just activism in general and beauty heroes just uh, we're announcing this Next month, we actually haven't announced it publicly to our community yet, but we signed up to be a 1% for the planet company, which is 1% of top-line revenue going to environmental causes. Yeah. Amazing. So not just profits, but top-line revenue. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. So every dollar that, you know, 1% of every dollar that our customers spend are going back to um, environmental causes for the last almost two years we've been contributing a portion of our profits profits to Five Gyres, um, which is an organization that does research and um, activism around the global ocean plastic crisis. Um, And now we've taken it a step further where 1% of top-line revenue will be going to Five Gyres and other organizations like them, um, Mm -hmm. as well as all of the the work that we're doing to bring – um, this awareness to our customers because customers really want to make good decisions. Yeah. Um, most of our customers are women. Obviously, we have wonderful um, male customers, um, but women make a lot of the purchasing decisions for their home, and we want to make that easy for them. We want to make it luxurious to live lighter. I mean, I do think in some ways, you know, it's a privilege to be able to even think about how we can. Uh, be a more conscious consumer. That is definitely a privilege. And so we want to deliver, um, uh, you know, the, the, the best ways to be able to do that. So back to your question, which was what brands are doing it right and how can you get beauty heroes' attention, um, I would say the brands that are doing it right are those brands that are innovating and finding their own way to make sure that they are, you know, contributing back in some way. Um, so, you know, a couple of examples. You know, Aether Beauty is a really great example of a brand that has uh, – Made is making an impact. They're a one percent for the planet company. Uh, Tyla Abbott is the uh, founder, um, and so she's a one percent for the planet company as well. Their eyeshadow palette is zero waste. They are just every you know they're they really you know in Sephora, in Green Beauty, um, 
retailers, very smart um, and very conscious of the environment. And now you're delivering a product that is a zero waste product. It's 100% recyclable or reusable. And uh, uh, so that's a great um, example. In green beauty, um, Fit Glow Beauty is working really hard on doing refillable skincare products. So we're, we can see our brands like really in process of trying to figure this out, even if they're not, you know, even if it's not perfect right out of the gate. You can really see brands um, uh, in this space working hard to innovate and to do the right thing. That's wonderful. I love those examples. And I think it all comes down to entrepreneurs who are passionate and also consumers who are becoming increasingly knowledgeable about these issues. And what's interesting, and I'm so excited to get your take about this, you know, the the beauty industry has been primarily self-regulated for hundreds of, uh, you know, over 100 years at this point in the United States. And that's quite different in other countries. We hear a lot about how the EU regulations on ingredients are much more stringent. We've been seeing that the FDA is looking into safety and manufacturing practices do you think that's good? Are you in favor of the industry regulating itself? What is your take on this? Yeah, I think I think it's a good question. I, you know, in general, it is self-regulated, and uh, I, I think if the FDA was genuinely interested in consumer safety, that would be such a good thing. I don't, you know, I think some regulation would be helpful. I just, from what I've seen, I think it's going to go so much slower. We're so far behind in the U.S. Mm-hmm. that for them to catch up, and it, it's just, you know, in the last five years, there's been no movement. Um, and if there is some movement, I think it'll make such a small dent in what really needs to happen to make products uh, um, and ingredient, you know, ingredients and products truly safe mm-hmm. that I'm not feeling like that is something uh, consumers, you know, that's really going to make a big impact on the industry uh, very quickly. So I don't have a lot of confidence. Do I encourage it? Absolutely. Um, Do I, you know, of course, I think there's so many ingredients that should not be um, allowed to be used in our products. Um, They're toxic for our bodies and toxic for the environment. You know, I had a hormone disorder that caused me to be infertile. And through that, um, through that uh, journey of me trying to uh, figure out, uh, you know, my hormone disorder, I uh, really looked deeply at the ingredients, not only in my skincare products, but in my household mm-hmm. and started to remove all of them and saw um, my hormone levels balanced out. So I have a very personal connection to um, to the power that these ingredients. I think they really do affect our bodies. Yes. I think they. Um, I had cystic acne for my uh, pretty much my entire life uh, until this hormone disorder went away. I I have clear skin now, and I think a lot of um, disorders come from these disruptive ingredients that are throwing off our 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 balance. So I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, so I don't say this, you know, with 
um, authority. I say it from personal experience, and that's that's really my belief. And then there are a lot of ingredients that are toxic for our environment. And my view is that you really, they are cheaper ingredients. They are shortcuts into creating products and getting them to market. It is much more expensive, much more costly, and uh, much, you know, there, there's a lot more that goes into creating a clean product. Mm-hmm. And so I always say, you know, um, the products that we work with, I think perform better, they um, are better for you, and they're better for the environment. And there's really, you know, there has been nothing that I haven't been able to uh, find, except for hair dye. <laughs> hair dye is, you know, a tricky one. Yeah, that's um, a and, tricky one. Yeah, um, I would say, you know, hair dye is, I haven't cracked that yet. I mean, there's a lot of different ways, and, you know, I'm open to learning more about that. But um there has been nothing else that I haven't been able to replace uh, that hasn't where I haven't found a better solution that had uh, healthy ingredients in it. So and I know there's a lot of, um, you know, talk about the, the nasties, so to speak, and, and things that should be avoided. Are there any ingredients right now that you're really excited about? So I think there is a lot of, um, great research going on on adaptogens in skincare and mushrooms mm-hmm. um, in skincare and how they can benefit uh, the skin, uh, you know, and holistically along with CBD. I mean, we carry one CBD brand at Beauty Heroes uh, right now, and we're being very careful about uh, the brands that we uh, partner with um, that are using CBD because there's so many different qualities. And um, it's just such a gold rush for for that right now. And I want to make sure we're, you know, we're really partnering with um, companies that are formulating uh, well with CBD. There are some really great ones out there, uh, but I think it's a wonderful ingredient, uh, you know, anti-inflammatory ingredient. And I think, you know, as they start to do testing, on the results of using CBD in skincare, I think they will come out really positively. That's my instinct. There aren't really studies for that yet. Um, Yeah, and uh, you know, I think that I'm excited about, um, you know, I'm excited more about the formulations that are coming out and the way the, I, I really love the botanical retinols that are coming out and the way they're being paired with other ingredients mm. um, to deliver a result and, you know, I, you know, not have to rely, you know, it's a great replacement for the synthetic retin-A. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I like that. And then I like, I just love my tried and true, um, you know, products. We just had a training for a store with Laurel Whole Plant Organics yesterday, and Laurel and her trainer came, and they're, I mean, they are just such an incredibly potent uh, and beautifully formulated natural and organic and slow beauty line. You know, Mm -hmm. the majority of ingredients are within 100 miles of um, Sausalito. They're based in Sausalito. Wow. that's um, that local beauty aspect. 
Oh, yeah. And so we get our products fresh. You know, the products that we get from them are made within a week. And, you know, we were looking at her Honeyberry enzyme mask and, you know, her sun damage repair serum. And those products are just, you know, they've been, you know, Laurel's been making these products since she started. I'm just as excited about them now as I was uh, when I first discovered them. You know, Mm -hmm. they're just, when you find your hero products, Mm-hmm. They, you know, they really, to me, they are very true to that. You know, the products that we featured at Beauty Heroes as hero products are the products that I use every day. And I think there's a little bit of this culture where, um, you know, it's wonderful to discover new things. And then it's also pretty great to have, to, you know, to rely on something that you discovered and that, you know, works for you. And, you know, not really, you know, it's always a push and a pull wanting to, uh, you know, show people something new that's there and also sort of encourage them to stay with things that work for them and not feel this need to always be changing and consuming, right? Yeah. And I love that you brought up Laurel and her company. I wanted to ask you, um, we had talked before the recording started that we're both in the San Francisco Bay Area, which I think isn't often thought of as, you know, the center of the beauty industry, so to speak. But what is your take on whether San Francisco is a good area to start a beauty company or in general for entrepreneurs who may not feel like they're in the hub or the heart of it? Yeah, I think that, um, I think it's a great area. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, we're, we're a major city and the, the area is very vibrant. There's a lot of, you know, conscious consumers here. I would say what's difficult about, um, the Bay Area and starting a company, any company in the Bay Area is this is a very expensive place to live. And so. There's more risk in a sense. Yeah, I mean, as an entrepreneur, you are needing to um, do, you know, if you're funding your business yourself. I mean, one of the things, if you are looking for outside funding, there's a lot of that around here. So that's a good thing. But there's a lot of that around, you know, anywhere um, or, you know, in other major cities. But San Francisco is one of the most expensive, the Bay Area is one of the most expensive places to live. So from that, space if you're bootstrapping and starting a company it's a harder it's harder to do and starting you know when they when I started my company I didn't really understand this they said you know don't start an LLC in California well I was like well I live in California so you know I wasn't willing to leave California but there is something to that it's a very expensive place to operate a business Mm -hmm. so just in that regard you know but you know, it's just something to be aware of. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's a lot. Yeah, things to be aware of for sure. And then there's a lot more media um, in LA and New York. So, you know, if you're looking to really do, you know, as if you're developing a brand or a company and you want, you know, you want to reach, do media outreach, you're going to have a, a lot easier time in LA and New York than you will in San Francisco. Um, there's some media here, but not, but in general, this, you know, the community for entrepreneurship is very supportive. So I don't think there's anything bad about, um, about being out here at all. It's, but it's a little bit of an expensive place to start a company. 
So I wanted to ask, you mentioned some mentors and advisors who had been helpful for you along the way. What's some of the best advice that you've received? And do you have any advice for our audience of beauty founders? Yeah, I think the best advice that I, um, you know, tell, you know, what I've learned uh, and, you know, I think we we just as people, we, you know, in business people, we learn this over and over again. When you have an instinct that something doesn't feel right, you're probably right about that. Um, <laughs> and I have made those decisions where I've felt something wasn't right, but then I talked myself into it and then it wasn't right. And I, I still do that sometimes, not as often, but it happens. Uh, so really trust your instincts. Um, and, you know, especially when you're working, talking about, partnerships with people uh really you know i would say also finding partners like we have a marketing partner and a web developer and a pr um, agency who just all of them anything that you outsource really find people who are easy to work with in in the sense that there's so many different ways to you know, different ways people run their businesses and you really have to find somebody who can speak your language, um, be sort of on your, you know, have your sort of style of communication and all of that. I think that's something that's become really valuable for me is when I'm vetting a partner of any type, I'm like, okay, can I really, I'm going to have to work with this person ongoing for hopefully years. And am I going to really enjoy that? That ends up being as important as how competent they are at their job is their style of working with you. Um, And, and then I think, uh, you know, I would say one of the biggest learnings that I've had, and I'm still learning is to not sacrifice your self care for your business. Mm -hmm. It's a very, for, you know, for different people, they have different personalities. Yeah, And I can very easily throw myself all into work because you get this sort of very, you know, you see a result if you did, you know, there is some sort of immediate gratification and you can, um, you know, you, it's just easy for me to throw myself into work and forego my self-care. Mm-hmm. And I've been really um, trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, yourself and that helps run a healthier business and I hear you that especially I think in the Bay Area there's such a stigma because we have this mentality of you know work 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 every hour that you're awake you need to be focused on your business and while that's true you also can't sacrifice your health you have to be healthy and you have to take time for yourself yeah absolutely uh so I would say that's my advice. I'm still learning how to do that myself. Uh, and, you know, so it's, if, if entrepreneurs are listening to this, for some people, that's not an issue. I so envy those people. Um, <laughs> for me, that's, you know, that's been a big hurdle for me. And then the last, I think, really piece of advice I have is, is really invest in going blue. I really think that that's important. Um, it is the way, you know, the way that, um, the industry will continue to go and, you know, create products that are, if you're creating something new, make sure that you're really putting that, you know, 
considering how you can make that product life cycle lightest on the environment, circular, regenerative in some way, because Mm -hmm. we need to shift this industry to a more um, sustainable place. And we need to, you know, that we need to actually find ways to give back to the environment just in every industry. And uh, so if you're launching a new product, I would say if it's not taking that really seriously into consideration, it should be. Janie, thank you so much for taking the time. You are so inspiring. I cannot wait to visit the store once it opens. And I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time and sharing all your amazing insights with us. Oh, you are such a pleasure to talk with um, Doreen. And I look forward to meeting in person and hosting you at the Beauty Heroes flagship store in downtown Novato really soon. <laughs>